Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app. All right. Now, Arizona joined by John Schuster and Ben White. I'm merely Mike Luke. All right. Arizona beats USC. This was an interesting win, or interesting game because it really wasn't in doubt. This was a good win for the Wildcats. It was a not an aesthetically pleasing game, but either way, it was a good win. Arizona got back on the winning track. Azulis Tabellas got back to where Arizona fans need him. Courtney Ramey played well. There was a lot of positives to take away from this game, John Schuster. For a game that was 87-81, you're right. There was a lot of uh, disconnected components going on. Uh, tough game to officiate, I think. And I don't know that the officials did a particularly good job. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, it, it was a game, as you noted, that Arizona seemed to you know, control once it got up to a, uh, a little bit of a lead. And it's one of those matchups that our pal Brad Alice refers to as an arm's length game. And Arizona, once it got up eight, seemed to be up the whole way by either eight to 15. Uh, so, and, and you never, for whatever reason, felt like it was in doubt. The Cats' ball movement was excellent, and that benefited Tabellus, uh, which is good news from Arizona's perimeter players. Ramey was excellent. Boswell had another great game. Creasa was really good as well. And again, in addition to being able to shoot the ball effectively, uh, their ability to find Tabellus with extra passes on an offense that moved the ball around uh, really well was a good thing as well. Again, they scored 87 points against a USC team that is known right. uh, as being uh, effective on the defensive end. And uh, never SC never looked like it really had an answer. It didn't have an answer for Ballo and Tabellus on the inside. And Arizona was good enough from the perimeter uh, to uh, hold off a very impressive performance from Boogie Ellis. One other note that I thought was very fascinating. We've seen this in two games now where Arizona's played USC. The Cats have completely taken Peterson out of both he, of those yep. games. Yeah. And, and, and it has been, uh, it, it's been very fascinating. Whatever their game plan is or the way that they're able to execute it, Peterson just has no success against Arizona. And when that happens, it seems to be a trickle down where the U of A has a matchup benefit against an SC team that's pretty good otherwise. Yeah, I think it's a great point there, Ben, because Peterson's interesting because you look at it, he's six foot nine and he's always six foot nine. And it doesn't look like on paper that Arizona would have a guy that would necessarily be a natural fit for him. But either way, like Schuster said, they did a good job. And quite frankly, again, this was a win that Arizona needed to have, especially coming off that. You got UCLA coming up next. If Arizona doesn't win this game, you got a lot of question marks and the Cats capitalized right there. Yeah, they did what they needed to do. And if, if somebody wasn't watching the game all that closely, the score doesn't even tell close to the story. Arizona was in control from the tip of the game all the way to the end of the game. And um, I think when you look at what they did against ASU and some of the struggles you saw, there were two things and two things that solely mattered in this game. Tubelis bouncing back and defense. And the team did essentially that. Tubelis was dominant. I believe he had 18 and 8 even just in the first half alone finished with 25 and 10 and it was easy for him. The guards made it super easy, fluid passes. Arizona did what they needed to do in a game that quite frankly a lot of folks based off the odds makers, based off what we talked about. Yeah. Arizona only a two and a half point favorite uh, going into this game which tells you it could go either way. So not only did Arizona run away with the win, but they did it very convincingly and they're in a great spot. Uh, come Saturday against UCLA, which should be another terrific matchup. 
And you can tell too, Tommy Lloyd, and again, Tommy Lloyd's a lot smarter than us, but uh, well, smarter than me for just sure. Just a little right? bit smarter than Shu. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Maybe not smarter with the way that John Schuster can write. If you know, you know, is yes. what the, as the kids would say. But um, he clearly wanted to get Azulis Tabellas going in this game, and he got him going early. I mean, he had eight points and five rebounds by about the under-12 uh, uh, timeout. And again, this is a guy, too, that we've seen has had struggles with, you know, confidence and whatnot. This was a, this was a game that he needed. And you're going against an SC team, as John Schuster correctly put out there, that's a pretty good defensive team right there. They got length. They play pretty hard. So it's not like you were doing this against uh, Oregon State or something like that. It's an example of the matchup thing that uh, I think we're going to see in the tournament as well. And there are some reasons for concern that I think are potentially interesting that maybe we can get into a little later. But it's clear that Arizona matches up very well against USC. SC matches up pretty well against everybody else in the conference, uh, as has been uh, in, indicated. And I, I thought Dave Pash on the ESPN broadcast made up a uh, made a really interesting point about how the Lenardis and the bracketology people of the world seem to hold that first weekend that USC had against them much more dramatically than perhaps they should. And if you take that weekend out of the equation where they didn't have a lot of their players. Uh, then they they're they're what a five or six lost team themselves, right? Uh, who is you know who all of a sudden vaults from being you know a lot of the brackets have them an, as an eight or a nine. Which if I were some number ones, I'm not sure I'd be terribly thrilled with that staring across at me from the bracket. Yeah, not Nash at all. Is saying you take out that first weekend for SC and you've got a team that uh, is maybe a talking about perhaps being a five seed, and meanwhile Arizona has carved them up effectively. In both matchups, uh, are there is- issues that may be interesting that can be taken out of this game? Perhaps one of them, I think, is the Boogie Ellis factor. And Mike, you've talked about this a lot. Uh, Ellis had 35 points tonight. Very explosive guard from the perimeter who was ve- uh, extraordinarily dynamic, made a lot of shots from a lot of different spots. The problem for SC, generally speaking, beyond that is that they were a one- or two-man scoring team where Arizona was a lot more rounded on the offensive end. But if there are teams out there that have a guy like Ellis who can score in bunches from the perimeter, whether the guard or the wing, and if you can have a couple other guys who turn in strong performances, then Arizona could be in for a tough night and, and have to work very hard to try to make some things work. Additionally, the Cats, in the end, and it might be a little exaggerated, gave up 81 points tonight, Uh, and that's a lot. Yeah, they scored 87. 87 is a very good number, and if you're consistent on the offensive end, I think that's a big deal and more noteworthy heading into the NCAA tournament. But in the last two games, the Cats, who had a string a few weeks ago where they were holding teams into the 50s, gave up, what, 89 to ASU and 81 to SC? Right. Those are numbers that you could start looking at and perhaps being a little bit concerned about, uh, especially against once you get into the tournament, obviously. Uh, so, yeah. so so, there are some areas. And the third area that I think I'd be interested in, and it may be a reason for discussion, and Mike will probably get to this eventually, is why didn't SC press earlier? Because when they pressed with about two and a half minutes to go, as opposed to maybe pressing with, say, six minutes to go, they managed to cut into the lead a little well, shoot, bit. Let's, shoot, let's get to that. I think Sean makes a great point here, and he's asking the great John Schuster about this. Shoot, will this Arizona team figure ever out how to cleanly break a full-court press? And I think it's a great question if you go against a team 
God forbid, like a Houston or something that basically does that throughout the game. Well, what what you're getting, we've, we've talked about this to some degree before. I think there are going to be teams that clearly have uh, the ability for some time to press Arizona a little bit. The question is, how much are they going to do it? Uh, and is it going to be six minutes strategically here and there? Or are they going to do it in a desperation standpoint? The one area that frustrates me and the way that I think I would approach this is using Tabellus as a safety valve instead of sticking Tabellus under the offensive basket. Now, the thought process is understandable. You got backcourt players who are supposed to be able to move the ball around, and then you get it into a half-court set and try to make things work, and teams have to watch Tabellus under the basket, so theoretically you've got to take one of your players out of the pressing situation on the defensive end. But to me, when you're in trouble, and Arizona, in addition to having ball handling issues, and again, Mike, you've touched about on this a little bit, not one singular guy who necessarily is good at breaking the press himself, they don't have a particularly they don't have a lot of height in the backcourt either. Right. And that I think yeah. is really the larger problem than whether they can handle the ball particularly well. So that combination allows teams with athletics athleticism defensively uh, to have some effectiveness in a three-quarter or full-court press situation. This is where I think Tabellus could help. Tabellus is 6'11", a pretty good ball handler, can hold it above his head and kind of direct traffic a little bit uh, to see if there's something that can get open. And Arizona has decided instead to move Tabellus away from the play, hoping that it will force uh, the opposition to have to be aware of him under the basket. And that's the one area that I think with the makeup that Arizona has, it's the approach that I'd utilize. I'd try to have Tabellus much more available as a safety valve. Furthermore, he's also a decent free throw shooter. So one of the things you're trying to avoid here is, well, you know, and it's the reason Ballo isn't on the floor in these situations. Ballo's a 57% free throw shooter. Tabellus is a little bit better than that. Uh, but he's the guy who I think is key in some of these situations, and I wish Arizona would use him a little bit more. Yeah, I think when you look at the guards and while this definitely wasn't, you know, the the telling time when it comes to the score at the end of the game, only winning by six. But you got to remember, too, Arizona was up by double digits with less than three minutes left. I just thought that right. the execution at the end was poor. I think in an NCAA tournament environment and a Pac-12 tournament environment, you would hope that there's a little bit more tenacity and more aggressiveness on the defensive side. And they did a pretty good job in spurts. And I think it was evident from the beginning that, you know, you talked about Peterson at the beginning and we talked a little bit about obviously the Ellis and what he did having 35 points. But I think Lloyd's game plan and the blueprint for this one really was if we can stop everybody else, but Ellis, we're going to be in a pretty good spot. And that's what Arizona did for the most part outside of the last two or three minutes in that game. I thought there was a play, I think, and we'll get to it on, on Mike's boy, Larson kind of just standing around there on a, on a putback and let Ellis make an easy, easy shot that made it a seven point game. But I, it, it's one of those situational things, right? Because Arizona controlled the game. They did what they needed to do through most of the second and first half, but you know, you got a little bit lazy and, and reluctant at the end there. So both can be said, but you know, time will tell and we'll see because again, this is one of those matchups where, you know, USC is going to be able to score. They're really strong offensively. They've got guys that certainly you can't overlook and they've always had that under Enfield, whether it's Ellis or Boatwright or a number of different guys they've had come through that program. I like that. Good, good, good reference in there, Ben. I like that. And obviously Enfield is somebody who I feel like is 
underlooked just because of the nature of USC basketball and the fact that it's never going to be really a dominant or too relevant program, but he's done a heck of a job. He brings in the recruits year in and year out. So Arizona can't overlook them. And then you look at what they have against UCLA. And I think the test will be is do you slow down and are you able to play that bully ball of beating teams up physically and scoring in the fifties and sixties? Cause that's probably what type of game it will be. So I think really the test comes on Saturday. Arizona did some great things and, and bottom line, right? When you shoot 54% from the field, it's going to be pretty hard to not lose to a team right there. So all in all, I would have liked to see them go at Ellis a little bit more aggressively I'm not quite sure why he was still in the game at the end, given all the foul trouble and issues they had. But it just seemed like the game plan was to kind of step back, attack everybody else and let Ellis do his thing. And if that was the game plan, ultimately it was executed well. Ben, I think you hit the nail on the head. By the way, back the A and back Del Taco. Very well put right there. Del Taco, one of the five healthiest Mexican restaurants in the United States, if you want to count it as a Mexican restaurant. One of the five healthiest cheeseburgers when it comes to fast food. Get it right, my friend. John Schuster, have you tried the cheeseburger from Del Taco? It's the only thing I have if I go to Del Taco. I just wanted to make sure on that. All right. Now, um, now let me tell you two things. First of all, I want to give it a little bit of a tip of the cap because we're not going to really talk about it much more. Andy Enfield, I think, has done a spectacular job at USC. My entire life, USC has basically been – They'll have a couple nice years, and then you don't hear about them for five or six years. Under Andy Enfield, they basically are always a tournament team. They always win 25 games. Um, some basically. So, again, I'll give them credit on that. By the way, there's Del Taco slander on the side right here that will be addressed here in a second. But first, the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Here's the deal. You can throw down $5, and you can get up to $200 in free plays betting on people that look like Jacob Franklin out there. Now, again, they might be, they're as tall as Jacob Franklin. They're probably a little bit more athletic right now. You might want to bet on the Suns. check on the Suns. Suns are going to be very, very good. The Suns and they get a pretty there. good player recently. The rumor is that there's a good player there. I watched them the other night too. And I think that they're going to be, I think they're going to cakewalk out of the West. Could be wrong on that. But again, check it out. DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX, uh, 21 and up, Arizona only, gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. And check out the uh, show notes and link in the description. Also, the DraftKings pick of the week. You guys are going to like this here because this is going to lead into our next segment before I uh, go right back to the Del Taco uh, deniers right here. I'm picking Arizona to beat UCLA Saturday. That's my DraftKings pick of the week. What do you guys say? Am I stupid? What do you say there, John Schuster? Well, those are two questions. I won't answer the uh, I won't answer the second one. The uh, uh, whether Arizona can beat UCLA. Of course, it can. Uh, and and uh, in that regard, I remember one of our conversations last week where uh, I made some reference, and one one of those things where. You read a comment below and then you say the first thing that kind of pops into your head and then you think about it a little bit later and and reflect to some degree. And one of the possibilities I suggested out there was that, you know, if UCLA clinches the conference after the ASU loss, uh, then, you know, how interested are they really going to be in that matchup and so on and so forth and then the more i thought about it is of course they're going to be interested in that matchup they can't stand arizona and they're playing possibly for a number one seed so even though they've got the uh pack x tournament top seed uh ultimately uh locked in 
uh, obviously they're going to come in full bore to try to get back at Arizona. So I, I think that's going to uh, – can Arizona win that game? Absolutely Arizona can win that game. They are one of the few teams I think that gives UCLA real matchup problems. I think it's kind of one of the interesting things in the, as far as the tournament is concerned. I think UCLA has a better chance to make a deeper tournament run than Arizona because UCLA plays defense and matches up reasonably well against most of the teams in the country. Arizona, however, is one of those teams that UCLA really uh, could struggle with. So, so could Arizona get the W in Poly Saturday? Yeah, that absolutely could happen. Ben White, do you want to go out on a limb with me and say that you're going to pick Arizona for your DraftKings pick of the week? I will go out on a huge limb, and I will pick Arizona in my DraftKings pick of the week, mostly because I will be at Pauly at the game covering it for us, so I'd like to see a good game in person. PHNX Wildcats on assignment in Pauly Pavilion. That's how big we are right here. You only get that at PHNX, only at PHNX. All right. Now, real quick, I need to get back to uh, Del Taco here just for a second. I need to be very clear about this. What I'm vouching for at Del Taco is the cheeseburgers. If you guys have not tried the cheeseburgers, don't at me, as the kids say. Go try the cheeseburgers. They're fantastic cheeseburgers. Jacob Franklin grew to be six foot eight by eating Del Taco cheeseburgers loaded with protein. Check it out. Again, Del Taco. You might even see the good friend Bruce Pasco up there at some point. And Mike Luke grew to be five foot nine eating Del Taco cheeseburgers. <laughs> he did. All five foot nine of Mike Luke and all six foot eight of Jacob Franklin, all because of the Del Taco cheeseburger. All right. Now, let's talk about you, Western Bacon Show. Oh, well, Western Bacon Cheeseburgers from Carl's Jr. are the gold standard. Yes. My good friend Kevin Woodman and I used to spend hours talking about Western Bacon Cheeseburgers on uh, a radio station back in the day. All right. Now, Psy Guy, you're our guy, but we're going to you're going to take uh, we will take your apology right here. If you haven't tried it, don't stick your finger in my eye until you tried it. If you don't like it, then come back and stick your finger in my eye. All right. Um Okay. Yeah, I know. I get very upset about the Del Taco cheeseburgers. Um, All right. UCLA, enough of the Del Taco cheeseburgers. We expect you, though, on Sunday or Saturday to come back with progress reports. All of you right there. Um, And we will, uh, let's see, the Del Taco, uh, let's see. All right, one more. The Del Taco, an actual taco, is the best fast food taco in the game. No contest, jam-packed with beef and cheese. I, I agree. Um, by the way, Mike, we needed a PHNX Del Taco podcast. I would love that. Max Simpson, you're not listening, but that would be a great thing to set up right there. Okay, UCLA, Arizona, here. Arizona, right now, if you look at it, they're, uh, they're projected now as a two seed. I firmly believe that if Arizona wins out, they will get a one seed. Here's my case. You beat UCLA, and I get John Schuster's point about how it uh, – I, I get John Schuster's point about how it's already, um, you know, it's already, you know, the conference is wrapped up. I get that. But if you beat UCLA a second time and then you rematch with them in the Pac-12 tournament with all the wins you have, considering right now you're considered a two seed, I think Arizona could very well be a number one seed if they win out. What do you guys say? Yeah, I think you can. Uh... I think you can make that argument. Uh, the the one coincidental stumbling block, I think, is UCLA uh, because they they won the conference and they won the conference with more than a week to play. 
And right. that may be the obstacle, the hurdle that Arizona ultimately faces, assuming that the scenario works the way that uh, you laid out. But I can certainly see it. Um, and I don't think it's a bad argument either. In fact, one of the things I was looking at some numbers a little earlier this week, and one of the numbers that jumped out at me was how good Arizona is at the top and how fascinated that they were being penalized for their performance against teams that were in what quad three, right. quad one or yeah. quad two. Do you know how many teams in the NCAA tournament have two losses or less against quad one opponents that have played them at least five times? That They've seems like a rhetorical quest. That seems like a rhetorical question. I'll give you the answer. It's two. The only other team that ha- Arizona is six and two. The only other team that has two or one losses against quad one competition with at least five games played against quad one is Houston and they're four and one. So they've played half the amount of games that Arizona has in those matchups. And, uh, you know, obviously has a very good record. Everybody's got Houston. I don't argue that Houston's a number one seed. Don't have a problem with that at all. They're good. But but Arizona dropped to a three on a lot of these projections. And when you're in the NCAA tournament, what's more important as far as your resume is concerned? having lost to a couple bad teams or beaten a number of good teams? Because theoretically, once you get to the tournament, you're playing the better teams, right? So if you've done well playing better teams, then shouldn't that carry a little bit extra weight? Well, but you also carries a little bit extra weight Then Arizona shouldn't be Arizona, you know, shouldn't Arizona benefit as a result of that? But I think you're forgetting something, though. How can you fit all 12 Big Ten teams into the NCAA tournament Uh, if you're going by that theory? Well, and it's a great point. I mean, I think I saw something uh, with Rutgers today, who's, you know, I think one game over 500 in in their conference and has an overall record of something like 15 and 12. But clearly they're somehow a four seed. Uh, (laughs) You you know, where where Arizona State is, you know, out of the tournament. Like, what are we what are we doing? Lunardi Lunardi had something. I was watching him yesterday. They had something that really made me laugh. He was talking about Penn State again, not Joe Paterno, Penn State from the 1980s. Penn State now who I don't even know the coaches. And he says, listen, he says, I think I can speak for a lot of colleges right here that if you get into the NCAA tournament, Penn State's one of the last teams that you want to play. No, that's crap. I want to play Penn State. I want a bracket where you get Penn State, Northwestern, Rutgers, <laughs> Maryland, and all this other crap right here. It's insane. I It really, yeah. to me, is one of the craziest things that I've seen in college athletics in quite a while. Also, Arizona has played, and you guys know it off the top of my head probably quicker than I do, uh, a non-conference schedule that includes a good Creighton team, a good Indiana team. No, oh, by the way, an Indiana team from the Big Ten. A yep. Tennessee team. Okay. On one of the mock brackets heading into this game today, Tennessee was a number two seed and Arizona was a three. I did Dude, see that. Right. Like, wait, 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 and and none of the numbers aligned with that. Yeah. But there's this incestuous issue with conference with the conference algorithm, and if the computers go in somehow to the conference and believe that that conference is good. When a team plays in conference games, they automatically get the benefit of playing teams that are also considered high, so they get all these quad one and quad two matchups. Kansas is something like 15 and five in quad one games. 
So somehow the Jayhawks have played 20 of these games. I love Kansas. Kansas deserves to be a number one seed. Don't have a problem with it. They're the best team in the best conference. I get it. No problem. But you still have this situation where, you know, the Pac-X gets hurt because there's this interpretation the conference as a whole isn't very good, even though you guys have noted they've won more games against non-conference competition, legitimate non-conference competition, than any other conference. What more are you supposed to do? Yet the Pac-X somehow can't benefit itself based on the limited number of games out there. But every night in the Big Ten, somebody plays somebody amazing, and as a result of that, their overall strength of schedule improves. Arizona's strength of schedule is 69. Wait, how? How, honestly, how? Against Tennessee, Indiana, Creighton, and San San Diego Diego State. And I'm probably missing a couple... And and the and UConn, X yep. competition, how how is Arizona's strength of schedule sixty nine? That's almost impossible. But the algorithm and the computer numbers have it that way, and it hurts the Pack X in terms of uh, where their seating positions ultimately are, and the number of teams that probably deserve to be in the tournament. Yeah, it's not the algorithm; it's the it's the people, man. It's the people. I was listening to Lenardi against uh it was during the asu ucla game prior and you know they asked him about the strength of the pac-12 and i think the prior question we always talk about the big 10 and you know he's talking about penn state talking about purdue talking about all these great teams and then uh they ask him so what do you think about the pac-12 this year and he goes ah pretty pretty subpar per usual some some snarky answer like that and you know i think i I just don't get it because like shu said on paper they have the most quad win, reputable wins in the country when you look at what they've done from a sample size standpoint, having those eight games and the records that they have. I don't know if folks just want to spin it as Arizona got those wins at the right time. It's just it's ridiculous. I mean, it's kind of like the you know, it's kind of like making excuses like a little kid. You run out of things to complain about and and you run out of people to blame. Right. So it's just one of those situations where unless Arizona just gets into the tournament and God, I hope this happens. Like you guys said, four or five big 10 teams, something (laughs) nuts like that in the tournament, you bounce after, you know, you bounce and beat big 10 team after big 10 team in the tournament, man, that would be fantastic. Even if Arizona only makes it to like the sweet 16 or something like that, just stepping over those teams would really, I think, be really the only way to solidify them. I, I just don't know how you get rid of this bias. I mean, I've been through it a million times. We we look at what they've done from a black and white standpoint. We look at it on paper. It just doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. It, it doesn't make any sense. And let's say you're like me and you're frustrated. You're thinking to yourself, man, what can I do to alleviate some of this? OGs. Oh, now yep. you might say you might say to yourself, Mike, where can I get OGs? Thanks for asking. You can go to your local dispensary. You can get uh, Indica's, Sativas. All of the stuff, when you're getting frustrated by the Big Ten bracket, you can go there and you can get it. Indica Sativas, all good flavors. Check out the show notes and the link in the description. And you know what? If you got some OGs, you might say to yourself, man, I'm a little hungry right now. Mountain Mike's Pizza. Again, I'm not Mountain Mike. I always have to put this disclaimer out there, even though nobody has ever associated me with being Mountain Mike. Mountain Mike is great pizza. John Schuster has been there. Ben White uh, informed us that it is in California as well. The great William Brad Alice has come on here with a Mountain Mike's Cup. Jacob Franklin, I'm sure, has been to Mountain Mike's Pizza. And uh, let's see, it looks like he's saying yes. Check it out. Oracle and Wetmore, great food, great drink, great place to check it out right there. Mountain Mike's Pizza. Okay. Now, I want to get back to Arizona here for a second here. 
Um, Courtney Ramey. I've I felt all I almost went like this, and I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Courtney Ramey, I feel is kind of an X factor here for the for Arizona because when that I must watch, have been why was that? That must have been why. Yeah, he's well, an X factor. <laughs> yeah, you know that is why. <laughs> uh, when I because and we've we've talked about this a little bit. He is the one guy that. Um, He's the one guy on this team that I think from a ball handling perspective, and again, he shoots a lot of threes. We talked about that. I think he's now first in the conference or tied with Carissa. But when I watch him, he can handle the ball. He can get to the hoop. He can pull up from mid-range. I don't know exactly what I expect from him, but I also think he's a player, though, that's going to be able to – it wouldn't surprise me if there's a time coming up here where he, from the perimeter position, takes their, puts Arizona on his back because I think he's got that kind of ability, and I think that's a unique position. What do you say there, Ben White and John Schuster? Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I think he's really interesting because when you look at his background and you look at where he came from, I mean, this guy is a fifth-year player. A lot of people forget that. How, how many times did we talk about prior to him coming here, well, you know, he's a guy who played at Texas, averaged eight and 10. And, you know, you listen to the Doug Gottlieb's of the world, you listen to everybody else. And, you know, when you look at historically what transfers have done at that point in their career, four years in, they kind of are what they kind of are. And that hasn't been the case with him. Um, Lloyd is somebody who has shown that they can bring somebody in at any point in time. You look at what Lloyd has done with guys who are under Miller. You look at what Lloyd's doing with guys that he brings in himself. But there's just that developmental factor that is is there, and it catches on quickly. And Ramey's a guy who, like you said, can do so much more than shoot the ball. Well, he's a great three-point shooter. Um, he's a great jump shooter. He's also a guy who knows how to pass and get crafty and be aggressive and force turnovers. I mean, he had a couple uh, good place tonight i think he had a steal on ellis and a couple of other things but you know my my thing on him is it's just the ceiling is way up here and we I thought agree. it was going to be way down here we thought he was going to just be a guy who we plug in maybe he's kind of a three and d guy a guy who's kind of a spot-up shooter comes in and gets arizona points when their offense stagnates but he's gone from being that guy to being somebody who can run arizona's offense when need be and be in command, be aggressive, make these shots, get the ball inside to Tubelas. He's the full package, man. He's definitely probably the biggest surprise, I think, to me up until this point when it, you look at the roster and the guys on this team. His proverbial upside, and Schuster, I want to get I want to get your take here in a second, but I got a few more reads here. The great Jacob Franklin is very tired right now, so I need to do some <laughs> things here. All right, when Schuster does talk fast. Now, you might say to yourself, Mike, any place that I can watch the game Saturday? Mike, Again. any place I can watch the play, place uh, uh, the game Saturday, other than with Ben at Poly Pavilion? Well, you know, we don't all get to hang out with Ben White at Poly Pavilion, but we will all be on assignment in Las Vegas, though this coming uh, this coming week, though. All right, now, uh, but here's where you watch it, though. Tap and bottle. The tap and bottle watch parties are back with a vengeance. Eight o'clock this Saturday. I will be down there rooting on the cats, and you would love to see all of you down there. Guess what I'm going to be drinking down there? I might be down in a four peaks or two right there, you know? the four, Now, it's pretty much down to the two peaks right now for the Wildcats, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that the four peaks are not still contributing in all their manners behind the scenes. Now, when you get four peaks, the brew, you don't have to worry about that because you're consuming in front of the scene right there. It's an odd connection I just made there, but you know what? It's late. I'll go with it. Check out the show notes and the link in the description and – Tap and bottle watch parties, or excuse me, uh, uh, 
Yeah, no, four peaks. Both of them. You know what? Four I'm peaks and the tap and bottle watch party. Four peaks. So that I can get this straight, four peaks, you can have four peaks at the tap and bottle watch party, which is this Saturday as Arizona takes on UCLA in Poly, where Ben White will be. And get this, you can go to Mountain Mike's Pizza, which isn't too far from Westwood, and grab a slice and take that into Poly Pavilion. We're taking this show on the road, baby. All right, now let me get one more in here, then we'll get back to basketball here for a second. Run your pool. I've never read this before, so I'm going to read this off the script. Okay, um, March Madness is obviously a tradition, and fans can play against and win cash and PHNX Locker gear. March Madness is coming, and we've teamed up with Run Your Pool to give you a chance to compete in a bracket challenge. Okay, here's what you do. Prices uh, for competing against us. Show that you know ball. First place gets $300 and a $75 PHNX PHNX locker gift card. Second place, $150 cash. And third place, $50. It's free to play. The important dates, selection Sunday, 5 p.m. And March uh, 14th to 15th, first four play-in. March uh, 16th, 10-15, first game tips off, deadline to fill out the bracket. So here's the here's the deal. Almost done with this. Head over to https backslash play dot phnx and don't forget your picks uh, when the brackets live. Run your pool is home of the competition, bringing sports fans and their friends together to connect and compete. Run your pool has over 50 game types for every sport that you could think of. It's a one stop shop for get everything gaming with over two million players. There's no better place to run your pack, uh, run this family and office. And on top of that, you can probably get a uh, uh, an autograph from the great Jacob Franklin as well, right there. Um, okay. Uh, and thank you, by the way. I do believe Kylan Boswell should be the point guard. I like a lot what I saw right here. All right, guys. Um, again, oh, let's see here. Tap and bottle delivers. Very good point right there. Okay. Cool. Guys, let's put a bow on this right now so Jacob Franklin can get to sleep. What did you guys think of this game? Overall, I'm very pleased. Arizona got a good win against a solid team, and Azulis Tabellas came back to life. Yeah, the Tabellas performance especially is something. He he looked a little bit more, I don't know if engaged is uh, the right word per se, but maybe a, whatever the involvement was, the thing that uh, seemed to have him off his game for the last couple weeks uh, he looked much more like the Tabellus that we've seen throughout the uh, course of the year. So I, I thought that was a good thing to see. And uh, Arizona's obviously going to need that kind of performance uh, as they progress through March. Yeah, I thought Tabellus was. Yeah, I thought Tubelis was a guy who, when you look at the struggles he's had the last couple of weeks, I think he's a guy who, if he doesn't get going early, it kind of wears on him and he loses his confidence. And you see some of those mental mistakes that you saw uh, the last couple of weeks. And he was. Game plan A, game plan B, and game plan C for the Wildcats tonight. Get the ball inside 25 and 10. Looked like a fluid, easy 25 and 10 per usual when he's on his game. And I think you look at, too, what the guards did, and it really kind of ties together and encompasses what these guys have been able to string together and how much better they've gotten throughout Pac-12 play. I thought Ramey's best game of the season, I think, in conference was tonight with the way – he was getting things going offensively, not only from a shooting perspective, but he was just able to get guys involved. And he was just really aggressive on the offensive and defensive end. I think he's a big reason why Arizona was up 
in double digits for most of this game. So you look at what Tubelis did. If he's giving you that 25 and 10, that 20 and 10, whatever it may be, double figures, double, double across the board, and the guards are shooting well, and Arizona's doing just enough on the defensive end, I would have liked them to tighten up things towards the end. I don't think it should have been a six point game. I think it should have been uh, much larger than that. But again, when you factor in all those things and when a team shoots 54% from the field against a really athletic USC team that has guides on the guards and has guys up front, it's going to be hard to lose a basketball game. And I don't think you could have been uh, asked for more based on what Arizona did against USC, a very, very dominant performance. And it is the teaser to what we have going on Saturday. Saturday will be a heck of a game. All right, everybody out there, you are all fantastic. Appreciate all your comments. You're the ones that bring the show to life. And Del Taco is not a sponsor. We're just talking about Del Taco cheeseburgers with passion on here. Well, who am I kidding? It's just me that's saying that. Um, but again, you guys are all the best. John Schuster, Ben White, Jacob Franklin behind the scenes. We will be back with you on Saturday. You have been listening to the AZ Wildcats postgame uh, on the AZ Wildcats podcast. <laughs>